0: You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Clemson Nation, how you doing? It's the Locked On Clemson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, five days a week. That's right, it's a glance into Clemson Athletics. And today's episode is the big preview show for the biggest game of the season. Number one, Clemson taking on number four, Notre Dame, in South Bend, Indiana. And I've got everything you need to know about this contest. I've got three key critical questions that Clemson must answer in this game if they want to come out on top. Go over those very, very shortly. And also going to get into three players to watch in this game. And I look, I can tell you to keep an eye on on DJ Oyongole or Travis Etienne. That's the obvious. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you three players that could have a big impact in the outcome of this contest that maybe you haven't thought about. And then finally, I'll wrap things up with how this game goes on Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. in South Bend. What can you expect to see? What's going to happen? And ultimately, who comes out on top? Between number 1 Clemson and number 4 Notre Dame, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm your host, Brad Sinkoff. You can follow me on Twitter. That's at Brad Sinkoff, S-E-N-K-I-W. Please give me a follow. Give me a shout out. Tell me what you think about Locked On Clemson Podcast. And let your friends and family know about it as well. And please, hit the download button, the subscribe button. Do everything you can to help Locked On Clemson Podcast continue to grow. Thank you so much, though for being a part of this episode. Can't wait to dive in to Notre Dame and Clemson. So let's dive deep into this game right now with three key questions I fight like Clemson has to answer. And number one is, who's just going to do their job? I'm going to give you three players in a little while that I'm keeping an eye on that you know aren't the superstars that could have a say in the outcome of this game. But at the same breath, I don't think there needs to be heroes. I mean, I don't think there needs to be uh, somebody do something extraordinary that they have, you know, has never been done before. I think maybe that could have been Clemson's problem a little bit last Saturday against Boston College in the first half because maybe some guys were pressing, you know, Trevor Lawrence was out, Tyler Davis was out. There was no Mike Jones Jr., no James Skowski. None of those guys going to be available this week either. But I feel like last week, maybe some guys tried too hard. You know, maybe uh, sometimes you see that happen when a team loses a key player, Somebody wants to be the hero. Somebody wants to make every single play. Maybe somebody just simply doesn't do their job. And I think that could have happened a little bit, especially on defense for Clemson in the first half. But they settled down, and they played better ball. And I think going to Notre Dame, with a lot of pressure, you know, undefeated, 7-0, and going to get 6-0, and fighting Irish. It's in just a magnificent, traditional, historic venue. Everybody's going to be watching. It's 7.30 p.m. game. It's prime time. I mean, it is the marquee game, I think, thus far of the entire season, number one versus number four. So there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on it, and everybody knows that. And I just wonder, can Clemson, can the players make sure that they keep everything in perspective? Can they remember that they're just supposed to do their job? And that's something the coaches preach all the time. I hear it from Coach Venables and Coach Elliott and Coach Sweeney. They always say, we tell so-and-so, just do your job. Don't do three other people's jobs. Just do yours. That's a question I want to see answered. Can Clemson do that? That's hard to do. It's hard. It's human nature for a young player or even a veteran to say, hey, I have to go make every play here. I've got to be the guy that wins us this game. I've got to be the one that steps up at the right moment. No, you don't. You just have to do what you've been told to do by the coaching staff. And I think if the Clemson players do that, they're talented enough. They're schematically and fundamentally sound. They've got great coaching. They should be able to find a way to come out on top if everybody just simply does their job. The second question that I think Clemson has to answer is how many times can Travis Etienne touch the ball? I didn't say how many rushing yards can he get. I didn't say how many carries can he get. The more i thought about it throughout this week and looking at Clemson's struggles in the running game, and, and they're there. I mean, statistically, it backs it up down a yard and a half per carry opposed to last year. Uh, offensive line numbers, the metrics are not overwhelmingly positive in Clemson's favor. They're not terrible. They're not like dead last in the country. But they should be better than what they are. I think most people would would say that. That all being said, the goal is not to get Travis Etienne X amount of rushing yards. It's not to get him uh, X amount of carries. It's simply to get him the football in space. And you know what? You can do that really well in the passing game. Think about it. Notre Dame's got to stop Amari Rodgers. Presumably Frank Lattin if he's healthy on the outside, or Joseph Ngata. If he's healthy on the outside. Braden Galloway at tight end. Davis Allen at tight end. DJ Uyangule, if he's running the football, they got to count for his legs as well. Plus, they could give the ball off to Travis Etienne at any moment. There's a lot to keep up with right there. And that's why Clemson is a pick-your-poison kind of offense. You take one thing away, they do something else. So if Notre Dame is going to spend all that energy trying to stop all those other things then Travis Etienne is going to get free. And the the whole point is to get him the ball where he can turn, square up, use his speed, and break tackles. That's what he does. That's who he is. And I feel like he's pretty healthy going into this game. I haven't heard otherwise. So to me, it's about not necessarily rushing the ball, being so super-duper efficient. It's about just getting the ball to your best player in any way possible. And if Clemson does that enough, you got to like their chances. So can they answer that question? Can they just simply get Travis E.T. in the ball enough? Now, what is enough? That's a great question. That's another question. That's not the third one that I'm going to ask, but that is one that you have to wonder too. I don't think it's a number of touches. It's more about how many times can he get the favorable matchup? How many times can he get the ball with nothing but a linebacker in front of him he can juke or run by, or maybe a safety he can get past? How many times can he just simply get to the next level and then presumably a level after that of the defense and get first downs and make plays. The final question that I think Clemson has to answer involves Brent Venables. What's your next move? Not what's your first move. Not what are you game planning. Not what are you going to take away from Notre Dame. You know what Notre Dame wants to do. You know they want to run the football right at you. You know they're going to come at it with that physical, tough offensive line. This is the best offensive line Clemson's played this year. And I thought Virginia's was really good, but I think Notre Dame's is is more talented and they're going to cause all kinds of problems. They're going to try to punch Clemson in the face and see how the Tigers respond. You know that. Brent Venables knows that. We all know that. That's Notre Dame's M.O. in this game. But what exactly does Venables do if it works? If Notre Dame is successful, if Notre Dame does punch Clemson in the mouth and Clemson doesn't get up off the mat right away, what if they have some success in the running game? What if they start moving the ball not necessarily at will, but the way Notre Dame wants to, which is controlling the clock and controlling the tempo and keeping Clemson's offense off the field. What if all that works? What if it's not enough to play with either three down linemen or four down linemen? And I'm not sure which one he goes with. I think it's going to be a mixture of everything. And he's going to have to use his depth wisely in this game because he doesn't have three really, really good key starters on defense. So exactly what is he going to do if plan A doesn't work? And, you know, plan A could be bringing a safety down. Maybe he gets big. Maybe was goes big out there and plays more of a almost like a four-linebacker look as opposed to a two-linebacker look in a hybrid or a three-linebacker look. Maybe it's maybe he gets really creative and crazy with it. Maybe Landon Zanders, the big, strong safety, maybe he comes up and plays more in the box in this game. Maybe so. Maybe that's the first reaction. But what happens when Notre Dame hits it over the top? Or hits, hits a play down the seam to the tight end. That's not their strong suit necessarily, but it doesn't mean they can't do it. So I want I want the question to be answered. What does Brent Venables do when plan A doesn't work? He's so good at making adjustments. What are those adjustments going to be? How is he going to react if Notre Dame has early success? He did it against Boston College last week. It's a different animal this week. Ha ha, it is almost the weekend, folks. We are right there. And this is your chance to sit back, relax, relax catch your breath, and most importantly, hit the reset button. You've been going strong all week. This has been a week, right? With all that went on with the election, with everything that's going on in sports, uh, there's been a lot of pressure on you. I'm sure family, friends, work, all of that has certainly hit you as well. Why not sit back, relax, do something for yourself, hit the reset button with a beer that is made to chill. Ice cold Coors Light. That's right. It's cold lagered. It's cold filtered. It's called Packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It's perfect for that moment to unwind while you watch football. No matter who's on, you don't care who's on. Watch football, sit back, and drink the beer that's literally made to chill. It's the one I choose when I want to unwind, and you can get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And now it's time for three players to keep an eye on in this game between Clemson and Notre Dame. And I think these are three players that I'm going to be watching throughout the game to see how much of an impact they have, uh, what it, what roles they're taking on. And, of course, I, I'm not giving you Travis Etienne and DJ uyongo away. So uh, let's dive into it. Let's start with the defensive side of the ball first. I've talked all week about the impact of Tyler Davis and him not being there, what that means for this Clemson defense. And I think that uh, you got to keep an eye on Brian Brassi this week and see what he can do at defensive tackle. He's gotten better as the year's gone along. There's no question. He was running around with chicken with his head cut off early in the season. And you just saw the athletic ability. You saw um, a guy that could make plays for the Tigers and do some great things. But you just didn't really know quite yet if he was up to the task of handling down in and down out. Well, he's playing a lot of downs right now for Clemson. He's coming off a career high in snap count with 57 last week against Boston College. Of course, he had the safety in the end zone on the sack uh, that put the game, well, the game was already pretty much put away, but that sealed it for the Tigers Is everybody get the ball back there, get two extra points on the board. And the only other game he even had close to 50 or over 50 was uh, the third game against UVA. And since then, though, 22 snaps, 22 snaps, 35, and now 57 coming off that game against Boston College. So I think that number is going to be high. To me, he's the guy who replaces Tyler Davis in terms of being the one who needs to command some double teams, who needs to get after it. I don't know if he'll exactly be lining up over the nose guard every time, but he's just got to be a guy who creates some havoc and some issues. He can do it. He's just got to be more consistent. And, you know, as, as Coach Sweeney said the other night, there just isn't a lot of bodies there anymore. You know, they've got Jordan Williams. they got Niles Pinckney. Those guys got to play, you know, as well, at least on on some part. of it's a four-man front, they'll play on one side. Brazil probably plays on the other. There'll be a constant rotation in there, and Darnell Jeffries is a guy that Coach Swinney mentioned by name who's got to be ready to go. He's played four snaps in the last four games. So that that tells you, if he's talking about Darnell Jeffries, they're going pretty far down the depth chart. Uh, They don't want to have to do that in this game. But there is going to be a rotation because that's what Brent Venables does. But I think Brian Brzee has a really big opportunity on the big stage uh, big-time recruit. He can really capture a lot of eyeballs uh, with a big game against Notre Dame. Now let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. Got a couple players there that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, let's start with Frank Ladson, the wide receiver. He's slated to play in this game, and I think if he's able to suit up and play, he's the starter on the outside. And he's listed in or with Joseph Ngata. Last week with Ladson out, the hip pointer, you saw Amari Rogers move to the outside receiver. But this week on the depth chart, Amari's back in his normal spot. And they've moved now, at least on the depth chart, Frank Latson or Joseph Ngata opposite Cornell Powell. So one of those guys has to play well. It, I said that earlier, whether it's Ngata or Ladsen, uh, I think Ladsen has the best chance. I think he's the healthiest. He needs to be out there making some plays because you know Notre is going to stack the box. Somebody's got to win a one-on-one matchup. And I think it's going to be Frank Ladson. And I think he plays well in this game. I'm really going to watch him. This is a huge opportunity. He has made some great plays for Clemson this year. He's also dropped some passes. But I think, you know, a guy coming off of a, a week off because of injury, uh, the spotlight on the team, somebody needing to really help the young quarterback out, I just feel like this sets up well for Frank Ladson. I think he holds on to the ball this week. I think he makes a couple big plays for Clemson. Finally, the other player to keep an eye on, the final player to keep an eye on offense, Cade Stewart, the center. There's a lot of pressure on the senior to be nearly perfect in this game. I mean, Cade Stewart has got to snap the ball well. He's got to call out the right protections. Notre Dame is a huge step up. This is the best front Clemson's played this season. And I think it's a defensive scheme that's probably the best Clemson's played this season. And Cade Stewart's going to have his hands full in this game. He's really going to have to be on I mean, not only is he going to have to make sure he gets the ball to DJ accurately on the snaps, out of the shotgun, but uh, he's going to have guys all over him. I I expect Notre Dame to really attack him, force him to try to snap the ball, get upright, and have time to stop some blitzes that are coming from different places. I mean, I I really think there's going to be a ton of pressure on him. So I don't normally throw out offensive linemen. It's really a, a group. It's more of a unit to me, that I would keep an eye on. But in particular, I want to see how he plays in this game. And there's really no backup. If he struggles a little bit, if Notre Dame finds a weakness there, if they can attack Clemson's front, I don't know who they would even really go to. Uh, They could move Matt Bockhorst over to center, but I don't see that happening. He's too doggone good on that left side, playing along with Jackson Carmen And Mason Trotter's the backup. Mason Trotter has hardly played this season. And so it's going to be a lot of pressure on Cade Stewart to come through for his team. Those are the three players to watch in this game, and certainly there's plenty more that I could throw out there and name. Uh, Clemson's going to need some help in a lot of areas. I I think Notre Dame's going to play well. I really do. In fact, coming up next, I'm going to tell you how I think this game plays out, the way it goes, what each team is going to try to do to the other, and I'll give you an outcome, a prediction on what's going to occur on Saturday night, primetime in South Bend, Indiana. Before I get into the final breakdown of Clemson and Notre Dame, I did want to pass along some sad news coming out of the Clemson Athletic Department. As the university announced on Thursday that it is cutting the men's track and cross country programs, this is something that Athletic Director Dan Radikovich uh, officially announced and said that this would save about $2 million that can be reinvested into other uh, athletic department initiatives. That's the plan right now. Uh, Dan Radikovich, the AD, said that it's a difficult decision is a result of an exhaustive examination of our athletics department over the past several months. After careful analysis, we concluded that discontinuing our men's track and field program is the best long-term interest for Clemson athletics. And this is a program that has been around at Clemson since 1953. They've won 23 combined ACC team championships, 16 individual NCAA champions have come out of this track and field team, uh, 22 Olympians, And four Olympic gold medalists were developed and produced at Clemson. So this is a a big loss for the athletic program and for Clemson in in general. And those scholarships will be honored, though, through the rest of the undergraduate programs for the men's track and field and cross-country programs. And I think 15 of those are going to come off the books this year. They're graduating, but they are going to go ahead and honor the rest of those. But still, some terrible news there uh, as Clemson Athletics has eliminated the men's track and field and cross-country team. Let's get back into Clemson and Notre Dame. The Tigers head up to South Bend. About a five-and-a-half point favorite in this one. And, and that line of, sounds a little bit um, surprising to me when it first came out. And I was kind of waiting to see if it was going to really make some moves. it was going to go up or down, or uh, I, I thought potentially you could see it start coming way down uh, once you heard the announcement from Coach Sweeney the other night about the loss of the two defensive starters go on with James Skowski, who is already out. But it really hasn't come down a ton. I I think it's down to about five now. So it opened up uh, around six. I I guess a full point is somewhat significant, and it kind of gets off one of those key-ish numbers there of six. I I wonder if it's going to continue to trend downward a little bit and we'll see what the sharp money does, see what the public backs. Usually the public likes to back the home underdog who's heavily ranked uh, at times, so I I wonder if Notre Dame's going to get some more play, plus they're such a national team. But how's this game going to go? How's it play out? You know, I I think we're talking about two teams that uh, right now I feel like deserve their ranking. I mean, is is Notre Dame, have they played a tough schedule? Have they proven themselves? I I don't know about all that, but who are you going to put above them? If you don't think Notre Dame's number four, Who's number four? They're undefeated. They beat everybody in front of them. So is Clemson. And now these two teams uh, get to really, really have an opportunity to showcase something big uh, coming up tomorrow night. I think what you're going to see in this game is a lot of chess match between the defensive coordinators. Clark Leah and Brent Venables, I think, are going to go back and forth. Uh, they're going to they're challenge the offenses to make some plays that are, are a little unconventional. You know, not letting Travis Etienne get comfortable running the football, uh, forcing DJ Uyongo away maybe to throw the ball down the field. On the opposite side, I think you're going to see Brent Venables bring some exotic blitzes, confuse in book. And if if they shut down or at least contain the running game to a certain degree, I, I think they're going to have some success getting after him and probably try to force some turnovers. And that's not something he does a lot of. In book is good with the football, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, So how that plays out, and that's something that Clemson's feasted on this year is turnovers, and they should have had two picks last week that they didn't stand because of um, personal fouls that brought them back. But I think overall, Clemson wants to force those turnovers as much as possible. That's what they've been doing uh, during this this really solid run that they've had the last few weeks on defense. But uh, overall, I think Clemson's just got too many playmakers. I really do. I, I think that's what it comes down to. In college football, when you have two teams at this level where they're they're all I mean, everybody on the field's well coached. Everybody on the field's you know, four and five stars. Everybody on the field has been developed uh and trained under some of the best conditions possible in all of college football. So it's not like there's some huge advantage there. I think mean, what it simply comes down to who has the most playmakers? Who has the who has the guys who can go out on their own and really create? And I think mean, Clemson has that in Travis Etienne, I think mean, they've got that in Amari Rogers. And I think DJ can do that. I really do. I think Uyongole is going to make some plays with his feet in this game, keep some things alive, move the chains, and give his team a chance to get to the end zone. I just like Clemson's ability to hit more big plays in this one. And I just like In Book just worries me in these in these situations. I mean, Notre Dame has does not fare well against top five teams or top ten teams or top fifteen teams. This is not a good situation for them. I just think they're at a little bit too much of a disadvantage. But I think there's, they are coached well enough and schematically and fundamentally sound enough that they're going to give Clemson some problems. It's not going to be easy. I don't think Clemson just walks right through South Bend, Indiana and walks out with a win like it's nothing. I mean, this is not going to be like the Miami game. Trevor Lawrence isn't there. And that lack of leadership, that lack of a voice, the lack of a guy who's been on the big stage, ice water in his veins kind of mentality. I'm not saying DJ can't do it, but we haven't seen it. Trevor's been there a million times. Trevor Lawrence playing this game, this is this is almost a double digit spread, so this is a pretty big difference, a pretty big drop off in terms of the experience level. Doesn't mean DJ can't play well, he just doesn't have uh, the experience and just the the ability to just kind of say, "Hey guys, I'm in control, I got this. We're gonna go down, we're gonna go score a touchdown." Like he hasn't been in the huddle and had to do those things very often. Now he had to do some of that against Boston College. But I'm telling you, that's a, it's going to be a whole different animal this week against Notre Dame. So I think it's not. I think it's going to be tough on Clemson. It's not going to be easy, and they're going to have to gut this thing out. I also think this is a low-scoring game. Notre Dame does not want to play a high-scoring game. They do not want to get into a shut a shootout. They do not want to uh, give Clemson a bunch of possessions. They don't even want to have a bunch of possessions themselves. They are only allowing sixty plays per game this year. They're perfectly fine just sitting on the ball, being methodical trying to keep your offense off the field while you know getting a field goal or getting some touchdowns, uh, using a ton of clock to do it, going long distances. They're very comfortable playing that style. That's what they want to do. And they're going to try to force Clemson into that style. And the only way the Tigers, I think, can get out of that is to hit some big plays down the field, throw the ball, soften them up, or if Travis Etienne gets loose in the passing game. So my guess here is looking at something around – I'm going to go 27-20. to 20. I think Clemson ends up covering that spread. Barely. I think they win by a touchdown. I think it's a low-scoring game. I think the difference makers are Travis Etienne and Amari Rodgers. They're just going to make more plays than Notre Dame's offensive guys can. And that's going to wrap up this episode of Locked on Clemson Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Brad Sinko. Follow me on Twitter at Brad Sinko. That's S-E-N-K-I-W. And make sure you tune in. On Monday, I'll recap everything that happens in the Notre Dame-Clemson game and give my friends over at Locked on Irish Podcast a listen. Uh, Joe and Ryan do a great job. Check them out to get plenty of inside Notre Dame information heading into this big showdown. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. I'll talk to you on Monday, Tiger Nation.